2.04 on a Thursday afternoon nationwide with Stephen McIver on SENZ. Afternoons with Staffy here today and tomorrow. Looking forward to it as well. Looking forward to this next chat because Tony Johnson is one of the most passionate men when it comes to rugby, but he's had a while to think about the All Blacks one over Ireland, and I'm just gagging, Tony, to know your ex- yeah. your exact reaction when that final whistle blew. Well, I guess like everyone else, it's a mixture of jubilation and relief because, you know, the, the relief bit is that they're not bowing out at the quarterfinals, and <clears throat> my feeling is, Stephen, that anything now uh, is, a, is a real bonus. Yes, um, I, I do think they're capable of going on and winning the tournament. Uh, they're going to have to beat a couple of very good teams in order to do that. But I think, you know, bowing out of the quarterfinals, that, that really would not have been good news. The fact that, that they had to beat the world's number one ranked team, whatever that, that's worth, but, you know, I think generally has been or genuinely has been the best team in the world over the last three and a half years. But also to do it in, in one of the great World Cup matches, hmm. uh, you know, it, 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 that was the elation part of it. That you know, there were two teams. It was just such a great game. You know, there were two teams full of positive intentions, and you know, there's a couple of things that come out. You know, the ball was in play for nearly 42 minutes. That that's phenomenal for a for a knockout game at the World Cup, which uh, uh, you know, so often hmm. knock them down, drag them out of fears. So, yeah, I, I think like everyone else. Stephen, yeah, a, a, a relief as the tension was released, but also jubilation. And that's that's been the, the theme, you know, everywhere you go the week, people are absolutely buzzing about it. Yeah, and I, I, to be fair, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of thinking you're still not convinced. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm convinced, all right. I just, you know, I, I think there's an assumption, and I did say before the game that I thought whoever won this game would go on and win the tournament. But then, you know, I, I watched... The way South Africa uh, absolutely um, just outgunned France, you know, in another spectacular tight match. They're going to be hellishly hard to beat. And so what we can't do is take anything for granted. And and if I'm wary, it's because you're going right throughout World Cup history, even going back to 1987 when the French put in an utterly spectacular performance to beat Australia in the semi-final. Australia were the favourites for that tournament. But they had nothing left for the final. Uh, I think a couple of times since then, France have beaten the All Blacks and have had nothing left for the next game. Um, England, at the last World Cup, brilliant performance to beat the All Blacks in the semi-final. Nothing left for the final. So, you know, that's the thing I'm wary about, is that, you know, to pr- produce such a, a stupendous performance where they got their strategy and their execution almost perfect, if that's possible in the game, you know, you've, you've still got to do that or close to that two more times to win the tournament. So I, I wouldn't be taking anything beyond this point for granted yep. just yet. Okay, so what stood out for you? So I'll be blunt, I, I, I was watching Timaru half asleep and when, and suddenly got caught up on it. And, I, and one thing that stood out for me was the precision of the All Blacks and an ability to to change the game plan. They didn't, and that's where I'm thinking uh, the Irish got stuck. Am I right? Am I wrong? Am I close? Well, the, the precision part of it, absolutely. Um, and you're playing probably the most precise team in the world. And the way they kind of... I, I think, firstly, they got their strategy right. Mm. And, you know, it's hats off um, to, you know, several members of the, the coaching team, really. Firstly, Joe Smith, because, um, you know, he no one knows... Ireland better than he does because he wrote the blueprint. It's just that Andy Farrell had, had kind of built on it and, and 
perhaps taking it to a, to another level. But at the, the, all the core things that they do well, in particular, that ability to to retain the ball through you know huge number of phases, and we've seen it before. You know, the, the, I think it was about thirty seven. Well, they've done it before in order to win games. So um, they got their strategy right, and that um, you know they, for example, targeted the, the midfield crash. Um, yeah. And they almost let it happen, and they let it keep happening until they got to the moment where they could pounce. And and what I, I think we saw was this combination where you almost felt that Sam Kane and Artie Savia had been included in the team in order to try and get these two players in the in, into the team, even if they weren't necessarily in the or one of them wasn't necessarily in the position that suited him the most. Um. But that combination, I think, was at the absolute core yeah. of New Zealand winning the game. Yeah, and uh, what was happening was, you know, Kane with his thunderous tackling oh, often set Savia up to make the breakdown steal. So they got their strategy right. Uh, Greg Feek, hats off to him because they picked a weakness in the Irish scrum uh, and, and they really capitalised on that. Porter got penalised repeatedly. Um, and there were a couple of other things that happened. You know that that, that, that you, know, you talked about the efficiency of the team. That mm. Ireland, I read somewhere, Ireland did not get to feed one scrum in the entire game, which tells you something about the accuracy of the All Black play. So I think under you know that I guess if Ian Foster's the chairman of the board, but Scott McLeod, the defence coach, Joe Smith, the strategist. Greg Peak, the scrum coach, they've also got to take a, you know, they've got to take a lot of credit for the way their roles were, were executed in that game. So, so do we say it, on this moment, hate using it, we're going to say it once. Did Ireland choke? Uh, no, they absolutely didn't. Um, they got a few things a, a little bit wrong. I think what actually happened was they, it was almost like a rope a dope. Definitely not a choke. <laughs> yeah, good chokes when you make really bad mistakes and you know guys are taking fly hacks at balls or making poor decisions and stuff like that. I don't know that they did a lot of that. There might have been the odd one, but I actually think they wore themselves out. Um, you know, as I say, rope a dope. You know, yeah. Muhammad Ali on the ropes, allowing George Foreman to come at him time and time again until he had nothing left. Well, you you look at Ireland at the end of the game. Yeah, they did go thirty-seven phases or whatever it was. Johnny Sexton could barely put one foot in front of the other, and and they were they, they, they were out of gas, they were out of ideas, and they it was just a matter of 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 the All Blacks waiting and waiting and waiting, and pouncing, and as as Sam Whitelock did. So no, I, I I don't think they choke. It's just that's what tournaments are like. Yeah. Um. And and I suppose you yeah you can point to the fact that yet again Ireland have gone to the World Cup with a really good team. They can't get past the quarterfinals. But that's that's what happens in tournaments, and it's something in New Zealand that I don't think we've ever really, a lot of people have ever really got their heads around that on the day anything can happen. Yeah, completely. And I, I love your analysis. I love the rope it up. You're right. I was just Tony. I was just so impressed with the the All Black defensive effort, and then the glimpses of players that haven't shown us much. And I, I'm going to go straight to Bowden Barrett. I thought it was like it looked like a, a younger Bowden Barrett out there. Well, I, I got to say, um, Stephen, that I, I might have even said it on the show last week that I thought after the Italy game that if one person had put up his ca- uh, hand for a, or made a case to be included in, in this game, it was Damien McKenzie. But I think 
again, th- this is a, uh, I think they had this idea about the shape of their team right at the start of the year. In fact, I remember being in a forum where Ian, Ian Foster was talking and, and I think that was, you know, he felt that, ba- that fullback was the, the place where Barrett could contribute best. Geordie Barrett in 12 yeah. and, and everything sort of a, a, a around that. Uh, yeah, and, and I think the key to it was both he and Richie Moonga, in contrast to Johnny Sexton, made really good decisions in the heat of the moment. And, you know, knowing when to pull the trigger, yeah. when the opening was, was there, and just the way that Moonga, looking for that inside pass, realised that something was shaping up in front of him, and he took the, and instead of passing in, took, took the gap, and off he went. The little chip and chase from Bowden. So, yeah. I, th- I think those two, I, I, and the other thing too is I mentioned Sam Kane before, and I know we all love Artie Savia, but Sam Kane's a guy who, t- to me, has, has been the target of a lot of vitriol, uh, unfortunate uh, criticism. Almost like he's been a bit of a whipping boy. Stephen, I, you know, you talk to players, uh, I, you know, I talk to players who've played with him, who've played against him, people who've coached him. I've never heard any of them say a bad word about the guy. They all talk him up to the skies as a leader, but also as a guy who hits hard with or without the ball, probably as hard as anyone else in the game. And I think finally um, people really saw, it was out there in the open. A lot of the stuff he does doesn't always get recognised or people see one missed tackle and they think, oh, you know, he's he's, he's no good. To me, you you actually saw him, you know, probably the greatest game that he's played of rugby at at any level uh, to, to lead the team. And, and, and as I say, that, that allowed Artie Savia to, to do the things that he does. And they wouldn't have been able to do it if Brazil hadn't been doing his thing as well. So, no, I, I, I just think, um, you know, pretty much everyone in the team did, did their job. But some really, really stood up. Do, do they roll Argentina or is it going to be tougher than we think? Well, it's something to look forward to because Argentina, you know, they're in, they're in a, they are suddenly, you know... In some ways, the All Blacks had the the, um, the luxury for for once in their existence of, of almost not quite flying under the radar, but without the, the burden of expectation or the whole world watching sort of thing. Now that that changes around a bit, and and it's Argentina, and they've always um, played well at World Cups. Uh, I don't think that they've never made a final, um, and I also uh, think that losing Pablo Matera is 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 an issue for them because, yeah, they've got these other huge, bruising, clever um, forwards. Gonzalez is a fantastic player, but they do miss him. But, you know, Michael Checker, you know, he's a canny coach. Uh, he'll have them well wound up for it. Uh, I, I just think this is a game where I think discipline's going to be a big factor. Um, you, you, don't, you know, there were a couple of yellow cards, one of which was very iffy, I'd have to say. Um, the other one, not so. But you, you don't want to be doing that and you want to frustrate Argentina so that Lavanini does something stupid, which <laughs> you can normally be relied on to do. Uh, and, and so it's them getting the yellow cards. And I think if they can control that, then you know I, I am reasonably confident, confident, if a bit guarded, about their ability to win this game um, and, and go through to the final. Right. And then you know, we can just sit back and watch, I reckon, uh, South Africa and England is going to be an absolute S fight. Wow. Really? Yeah, it's just going to be a dogfight. That England have got... No one, no one likes England. They know it. They're, just, they're doing the old Millwall thing. No one likes us. We don't care. 
they'll go out there. I think it'll be brutal. I think it'll be niggly, and I think there'll be controversy. Controversy, and much as it's great to see Ben O'Keefe recognised and given a World Cup semi-final. Uh, this is the game where I'd probably, if I was a ref, I'd, I'd rather say, oh, I've got a bit of a sore hamstring. <laughs> well, or he, or he might just stand up. <laughs> well, the trouble is, mate, and, and we saw it at the weekend. I, you know, Ireland, uh, I thought Andy Farrell showed his absolute class after the game, and he's a fantastic guy, Andy yeah, Farrell, and he's a great coach, and he showed what a great sports person he is. You know, Sexton got a, got a bit whingy and, and you know... <laughs> <laughs> got all sensitive about something that Rico Ioani did, which you see people do. You see sports nothing people new, do that. Nothing new, nothing new. In all codes, all the time. That that was just getting a bit salty. Um, but, you know, the French had a bit of a dig at the referee because what they do is they highlight one little one mistake that was made and they don't think about all the other things that the referee got right or the decisions that went their way. They just focus on one thing. I thought he did. I thought he did a pretty good job. I think is the call not to penalise even Etzebeth for the knockdown was absolutely spot on. Uh, there were a couple of things he didn't get right, but this is you know what you know what's going to happen here. That if if uh, England win, then he'll be getting probably death threats from South Africa, <laughs> and if South Africa win, you know it'll be all of the you know the the, the, the pontificators of the English press you know going on a, you know banging on about southern hemisphere referees and all that sort of thing. And we know so who, he's basically in a no-win situation. It's Stephen Jones leading the charge. Hey, uh, yeah, what, one final thought from you, mate, because we must not forget about this afternoon grand final, Taranaki Hawks Bay. Who you got and why? Well, I'm calling the game. I'm really looking forward to it. It's an afternoon game. They're going to have, the weather forecast is really good, and they've been getting good crowds. They got a great crowd last week in the NAC, even though they've got the you know they're doing the, the rebuild of the stadium there. And you know what I love about this, Stephen, is that you've kind of had the provincial put back in the national provincial championship. Yeah. You know, no Canterbury, no Auckland, no Wellington. You know, no disrespect to them, but this is a genuine match between two proud provincial unions. Uh, I've I got to say, I thought Taranaki under Neil Barnes this year, I've, I've been singing the praises of Wellington, but Taranaki have been right behind them all the way. Um, and their record would have been even better. Um, they missed a pretty simple conversion on, at, to beat Canterbury, but they still, you know, they, they've earned this uh, home advantage. Um, and there's a lot on the line. You know, Peter Garcia Kula playing his last game for Taranaki, Brad Weber playing his last game for Hawks Bay. Um, you know, Hawks Bay a chance to do the double. There's, there's so much. There. I, I suppose you'd have to think that um, having finished just a little bit higher up the table, having the home advantage, and just the, the, the way they've played, Taranaki might go in as slight favourites, but I, I, I just not even thinking of it in those terms. I haven't really thought about who I think might win the game. All I know, Stephen, is that I'm really, really looking forward to the, 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 the decider. And what has, uh, actually, if you just base it on the rugby, the upsets, the drama, the late comeback wins, the, the, the extra time wins, all those sorts of things, has actually been a really good MPC. Well, I know you'll do it justice too, as always, TJ. It's always a treat talking to you. Have a great weekend, buddy. Cheers, uh, champ. Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see you, Stephen, and um, look after yourself, mate. Yeah, we will do, mate. Take care. Tony Johnson, one of the greats, one of the great voices of uh, rugby union in this country. Just love, love hearing his calls. It's 2.20.